Welcome back to Basic Bananas Radio, where we share tried and tested ways to grow your brand and get more customers. Everything from the latest in marketing and branding, right through to growing your team and creating an irresistible culture. Hi there, and welcome back to Basic Bananas. I just had the most fascinating and interesting conversation with Belinda McMahon from Voice Print Professional. Belinda is one of our genius members, and she shares so many insights in this episode into how to use our voice as an incredibly powerful tool and also how our voice impacts other people and how we can shape that. So Belinda believes that our voice is not a fixed instrument. It's something that we can shape. And it's a very important tool for us to look after and to shape. So super excited to be sharing Belinda's knowledge with you in this episode. Let's jump in. Hi, and welcome back to Basic Bananas Radio. We have today with us here in the studio, in the virtual studio, Belinda McMahon, who is the founder and the lead vocal coach consultant of voice print professionals. Welcome, Belinda. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have this conversation. I'm actually really, really curious about all the insights that you have to share. So just a quick background for all our listeners here. Belinda is one of our Genius Bunch members. She's been in our community for a few years. And recently, we asked Belinda to share some of her insights into how important our voice is and how we use our voice with our community. And everyone was blown away. And so we thought, hey, including myself and... (laughs) We'll talk more about that later, but I thought, hey, let's share Belinda and her wisdom with our audience here too. And Belinda, just maybe let's quickly look into your background and how you ended up now running such a successful business that is so impactful for so many. So you were a professional singer. Uh, So talk a little bit about quickly how you ended up here. Yeah, look, I mean, voice has literally been my entire life. I started performing at a very young age. I think I was only about six or seven. And so I performed all through my childhood, loved it as a singer, trained as a singer. Um, Then upon leaving school, started working professionally, did a lot of um, corporate and cabaret entertainment type work so that was really fun great good fun work but I always had just a real love and a passion for voice science like I just I just loved it I found it really interesting how does the voice work how are we using it how we can how can we use it in a different way to get a you know a different sound um so from there with while I was performing I also started teaching singing and just loved that connection with people Loved working with people, helping them grow and discover their voices. Um, And then I stopped performing, actually, after I had my children. Um, And at that point, started working for a university teaching voice there uh, and just uh, got really interested in the whole research side. So from there, I then went and did an honours in voice, in voice science, and then on to a PhD in voice science. Um, The PhD was focused on vocal identity so that really looked at why we sound the way we sound so what's happened is it just how we're built or 
is it all our life and learning experiences and our emotions and our emotional reactions to everything we've had and all that's happened in our lives. So upon learning that, then that really sent me down the path of, oh, okay, well, hang on. If our voice is really determined by our belief systems and our life and our learning and our socio-cultural environment, if that's impacting the sound of our voice, thought, well, how does it impact the people who are listening to our voice? So then I've done further research in that area and it's got me to where I am today. It is so fascinating. And we're definitely going to dig deep into both of that. So how does how we sound impact people, but also why do we sound the way we sound? But before I have a bit of a personal so a question that is just interesting to me is, do you think, so you, you started singing as a six-year-old, so you clearly were born with a talent. <laughs> do you think people, because some singers are, there, there are amazing singers out there and there are people like me that are maybe not amazing at singing. Do you think it's a, a thing you're born with? Or do you think somebody who is not amazing at singing can become great with the right training? I personally believe the second one, that we can all do it and, we, and the voice is highly trainable. That was actually a big part of my research is where does it start from? It's a really interesting area and obviously, unfortunately, the whole nature versus nurture debate, we're never going to probably have a real definitive answer on that. So there are aspects of your voice which you are born with. Now, those things include say, the actual size of your larynx and the size of your vocal folds inside that are inside the larynx, um, the shape and length of your neck, the shape of your mouth, your nasal cavities, those are things that do impact your sound. But those things are not constant throughout our life. They change when we grow and with maturity and different health conditions. Um, so what's interesting is that of all the people we researched or I researched, a lot of people believe they were born with an innate ability. They have a belief that they were born with it, those people who can sing. But most of the research now understanding and development actually shows that a lot of it is the impact of very, very early experiences. Your really, really early life and learning experiences and interactions um, with music. Like a baby is actually born with a predisposition to liking certain music and certain sounds according to what the mother liked. So in the third trimester, if, if uh, a woman is listening to music and loves it and she has a positive emotional response, it makes her feel calm, it makes her feel happy, that baby gets that same emotional response to that music. So we're already born with a... Um, uh, what is it, like a, an affinity to, say, things being on beat, like a structured beat, because we hear so much of that throughout our lives. Um, we prefer um, consonants rather than dissonance, so sounds that sound good rather than clashing notes, we will prefer those. Now, my just to point out, obviously, my research is more in Western culture and Western culture musics. So, and that's actually where culture can have can have an impact as well. But the tone of voice that we hear, even in the womb, will be able to, if, if there's an aggressive or an angry sounding voice or sound that then the female has a stress response to and reaction to, that baby is learning that. So they learn that from the very beginning. And, and then you think about when you're holding a baby and you rock them or you pat them and you do that with a beat, 
and then if you're singing at the same time um, and, and then how much music they're exposed to and how often they're encouraged to explore their voice and use their voice in creative ways, those really early years. So there's actually a huge amount that's happening in our lives in those real early years that impacts whether or not we start to explore our voice. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens is that then we go off to school and often in kindergarten, year one, year two, something like that, there's a, a choir audition. There's an audition for a choir and some kids get in and some kids don't. Okay. And those kids that don't get in then establish a belief that, well, I can't sing. I'm not good at singing, but in actual fact, it may just be that they maybe, maybe they sang out of tune at that audition, but they might've sung out of tune because they've never actually explored pitch matching as a younger kid, because maybe they come from a family where people don't all sing together or people don't sing around the house together and pitch matching, which basically means singing in tune is something that a lot of people don't do naturally in their earlier lives. A lot of kids will sing out of tune. But if you're exposed to music and you start singing along with other kids and other people, you start to learn how to pitch match. Then you turn up for your choir audition in year one because you've been exposed to music. You audition, you get into the choir. Then you go, oh, I'm a singer. And then we start to get this singer, non-singer identity happening at a really young age. So, um, yeah, it's it, and it wasn't just my research. There's other musician research that shows that, there's a misperception that we're born with an, an innate ability, but it's actually a lot of these really early life experiences that shape our belief systems and our perceptions about what we can and can't do. Yeah, I, I can see that. And and actually, it is exactly how you explained. I feel like it's, it's exactly how I was brought up and how Luana, so my two-year-old, I love music. There's always music here. I play music. And so I, I play instruments and then there's always music. There's always music and there always has yeah. been. So she is yeah. obsessed with music. She comes home from daycare. She goes, music? And I'm like, yeah, we can listen to music. And then she wakes up and we play music and she starts dancing. Whereas, And so she's super into music. I'm not sure if she can sing or not. She's too young. But I guess, well, you basically. But she music. can. She absolutely yes. can. We all can. Like That's literally. Exactly right. I shouldn't have said it that way. Exactly. Whereas <laughs> my upbringing is my family was not musical. So my mom and dad never played much music. Even now, when I go back to mom's house, there isn't much music ever happening, playing, and also nobody played instruments. So I grew up in an environment where there wasn't much music. And then I did do the choir thing and I did get in and I actually think I probably was better back then because of the mindset, because I got in and I thought I can sing. And then later in life, I think my mom once made a comment that I can't sing. And suddenly I think that changed my mm-hmm. mind. And suddenly I probably sang worse than I used to because now based on your research, it's actually our mindset impacting the way that we can use our voice. It is absolutely the literally the voice can only do what the mind tells it to do and what it believes it can do. So mindset is a huge part of it. And okay, we're talking now just kids with singing. But if we think that about the fact that singing is purely just vocal expression, that's all it is. And then suddenly we become an adult and we have to get up and give a presentation at work or um, I don't know, do a, we want to start a podcast or whatever it might be, but we just engage with people with an expressive voice, that belief system that, hang on, 
no, 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 I can't use my voice expressively. That's not me. That can still be travelling with us in our adult years about how we believe we can or can't use our voice, what our voice is capable of doing. So, yeah, the singer, not being a singer, that mindset can stick with people their entire lives often and can frequently come, like you just mentioned, your mum said one comment you can't sing, it can frequently stick with people. Um, And unfortunately, sometimes this happens in our schooling system. Anywhere just somebody goes, oh, you know, no, you can't sing, no, can you just sing a bit quieter, please, because you're singing out of tune or, or whatever it might be, and then it sticks with people for a long time. And, you know, maybe if it just means they don't sing, maybe that's just maybe that's not the end of the world, though. I mean, obviously singing is great for so many reasons, but but it actually impacts how they can use their voice in general in life because they don't believe, they haven't explored that expressive ability of their voice. And and so you believe that anyone who who thinks that they can't sing or that they don't have a great voice, they can change that by changing, by, by working on the mindset. Yep, yeah, mindset and technique and technique as well. So singing is, and in fact, voice use in general is a fabulous mix of psychology and physiology. Okay, so how the instrument works. So the instrument is a wind instrument. It needs to start with breath and breath flow. We need that. We then need to get a particular vibration happening at the level of the vocal folds. That's where the sound starts. And then we resonate the sound through our throat and our mouth and sometimes our nasal cavities as well, depending on the sound. So singing training, the technique part or any sort of voice training. In fact, it's the same for spoken voice as well. We are working on getting those parts of how we make the sound working better. We're working efficiently, working with coordination. If we want a more resonant, warmer vocal tone, a richer vocal tone, then we need to make sure we've got the right breath flow, that we're getting the right vibration here, and then we've got the space for the resonance because you know, we're, we're like a trumpet, say. We're like a trumpet, and if somebody steps on the trumpet, we understand that's going to change the resonance space and change the way the instrument sounds. Or an acoustic guitar, if that that cavity isn't there, if it's impacted, if it's damaged, it's going to change the way the instrument sounds. It's exactly the same with the voice. Singing or speaking, it's exactly the same. The only difference with singing is that we need a little bit more pitch control and a bit more we need to navigate, you know, a, probably a wider pitch range and often longer sustained phrases. Um, But, yeah, anyone really can learn. And the mindset, yes, because if we don't believe we can do it or but also if we have negative emotions about it, emotion is hugely heard in the voice because it tightens the muscles around the larynx and the muscles in the throat. It tightens that area and impacts the sound. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of connection too with our autonomic nervous system as well and voice. So, yeah, the the psychology is is really important so that's why personally I love the voice as an instrument as an expressive instrument for communication whether Mm -hmm. we're singing or whether we're speaking because it is this amazing mix of psychology and thought processes and belief systems with science like sound itself is literally just physics the creation of sound is physics but then we have all of this, the psychological aspect of it as well. Except such an amazing space to work in. It's yeah. And I can tell how passionate <laughs> you are because, you know, this is your thing and it is so interesting. Are there any, we will, we will also talk about how the sound impacts people. 
our sound of the voice. Are there any yeah. techniques that are that you can just share? I know it's a lot of visual, you know, things that you have to show people. But if it's just for, well, if it's on a podcast, is there anything that you can? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The first thing to start developing vocal control, um, and obviously we'll spoke, we'll focus on speaking voice here because for most business people, that's probably what's going to be more important for them. Um, the first step is actually focusing on the breathing because, as I said, it is a breath instrument. It's a wind instrument. And if we hold on, as an example, if I hold on to my breath here a little bit, I'm not allowing that flow. My voice will become a little bit more quivery. It can become a bit a bit tight sounding and you know and I tend to sound quite nervous I'm going to sound nervous or I'll sound unsure um I personally know when I listen to people with a voice like that all I want to do is take a deep breath <laughs> it makes me hold my breath so I'm not I, I stop focusing on what they're saying and instead I'm too caught up and feeling a bit uncomfortable and I've, I've noticed that with quite a few politicians on the news and when they're speaking you just go oh please breathe <laughs> just breathe so taking that breath so um breathing exercises just taking that really deep breath in it's often referred to as diaphragmatic breathing but that just means expanding the lower abdominal and expanding the rib cage sideways and expanding the abdominal area outwards like your stomach is a balloon and when it fills up with air we're expanding it and it's referred to as diaphragmatic breathing because when we open up that space by releasing the abdominal, the diaphragm can move down lower. And then that enables us to get more air into our lungs. So I frequently say considering breathing is essential for life, we're all pretty bad at it. <laughs> you know, it's not something that we're great at doing. So there's breath work exercises where you want to just focus on taking a deep breath in, but then extending the exhalation. So you make the exhalation go for longer so you can just do that as, say, breathing in for four counts and then breathe out and often on a hisser, like that, for four counts. And then next time you breathe in for four counts and then hiss out for six counts. Then breathe in for four counts and then hiss out for eight counts. And then you can increase that within an individual's comfortable range. Okay, so as far as they can be comfortable. Yeah, that makes sense. And would you breathe in through the nose and then obviously out through the mouth through the... You can actually breathe in through your nose or your mouth. It won't make a lot of difference um, to you. If you're somebody who gets a little bit congested in the nose, you may find that breathing through your nose is quite limiting. Um, it can be... Breathing through your nose, though, can be more relaxing. So if you're doing the breath work to help bring on a bit of a state of relaxation, um, which it is very effective for, then breathing through your nose can be good. But if your nose is congested, you use your mouth, that's completely fine. Um, largely in singing, we actually breathe through our mouth more than our nose because we need to get a huge amount of air in very quickly. Mm -hmm. And you can get a lot more air through your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, And then, yes, always okay. out through your mouth, though, yeah. and either using like a hisser like that so you can hear it and you're controlling it because what you don't want is this. You don't want yeah. don't know if the recording will pick that up or not. Sometimes yeah. Zoom doesn't like the sound of hissing, but it's the, the sound of it going in and out, being jagged. You actually want to try and get a consistent hiss. So that's just a very good starting point because if you can activate your breath flow, 
then you activate your breath flow, then you step one, you're getting the right amount of breath to your voice, to, to the larynx. And then another, the, the next step would actually to move to some voice work exercises. And there's some simple little sirens you can do. They help to warm your voice up. They help to connect and engage your breath. And they actually also help release any muscular tension that you're holding in the throat. And remember we said before, if that space is tight or constricted, it will impact the resonance quality. So when we hear singers that have these lovely, resonant, rich voices, this space where they're resonating the sound in is very open. And you can then often hear their voices, their speaking voices remain very well, very resonant and warm because they've trained that opening in their throat. And so these exercises, and I did one of these with you guys at the uh, at the summit at the end of last year, uh, the experience rather, when and those sirens. So you can use a lip trill, which is the like thinking like a, a, a blowing a raspberry. Some people have trouble with that one, but it's a really effective one if you can get it to work. And then we have, uh, you can use the NG sound, like the end of the word sing and go, so you can do the ng sound the lip trail another great one is a z sound just going and people can just siren those in a range that's comfortable for their voice so comfortable within their range. Don't take it too low or too high. But those exercises, yeah, they engage breath. They release uh, muscular tension. Um, they're a really good warm-up and they're a great cool-down for your voice as well. So doing some of those exercises just help physically warm up the voice. So get the voice physically ready for any sort of voice use. And then we also have, um, and then they actually also have connections with the autonomic nervous system as well, which is really interesting, which I know we won't have time to delve too much into this today, but um, voice use. So the vibrations from the larynx can help stimulate the vagus nerve. Now, the vagus nerve is the main nerve that goes through our body. And I'm drawing on polyvagal theory here, which is a, a great theory that a lot of our uh, People are quite interested in these days, but um, it's and it's all about our autonomic nervous system. Now, if we um, by you doing breath work and by doing some voice work like we just did, both of those things using the diaphragm, slowing down the breathing and getting vibrations from the larynx can actually stimulate the vagus nerve, which helps keep us in that space in our nervous system, which is known as the ventral vagal space. It's the space of safety and connection. It's, you know, that's the space where we operate best. When we're in that space, that's a space where we can operate from a place of flow and ease and comfort, and we can connect with people. But if we get stressed, if something happens and we move out of that space, the next space we go into, we go into the sympathetic nervous system, which is the space of fight or, um, fight or flight that sort of that space there, that that reaction. So if we have a, a stressful day and a stressful reaction or something, we move into that sympathetic nervous system. If that gets, um, you know, gets started or gets triggered, I should say, you can actually do breath work like I was just talking about and voice work to move us back 
to help us move back to that ventral vagal space of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is where we'll operate more optimally. And it's not just about emotions such as feeling connected and safe when we're in the ventral vagal space, because the vagus nerve controls most of the major organs in our body as well. It also impacts our blood pressure, our heart rate, our, you know, our digestive system, all of those things. So it's actually really miraculous. So if you think about why the why have so many different um, healing practices included chanting and humming or om and sounds like that? And why does singing make us feel good? Why is it using our voice? It's the vibrations from the larynx. It really um, is miraculous. Yeah, it is miraculous. Yeah. And even just, you know, those exercises that you mentioned with the breathing and then long breathing out and then the the vocal, so the voice work exercises with the, yeah. with the, mm, and the, z- these are things that will take you know we could do this every morning when we wake up just absolutely and i do and i do because i use my voice literally all day every day to ensure that my voice doesn't get fatigued and can't keep going the i use these exercises in the morning so i will use them just literally as i'm going around the house making coffee whatever i use them in the shower is fabulous because of the steam from the shower steam is great for the voice Mm -hmm. so in the shower I'll do those exercises do my breathing I then use them throughout the day if I feel my voice starting to get a bit tired I stop literally just for two minutes stop for two minutes do some of these exercises it's great for my voice but it's also great for my autonomic nervous system for my mental well-being and physical well-being and then at the end of the day I use them to cool my voice back down again at the end of the day so um so a cool down so remembering that it is muscles and ligaments we're using so in that sense voice work is a bit like a sport and we can condition our voice to be able to do more but yeah just being able to effectively use our voice either to give a presentation to connect with people just be able to talk in a noisy office um so yeah i guess voice training is partially about just being able to get your voice to do what you need it to do every day because if we lose our voice or if our voice is saying tired sounding tired hoarse you know and it's feeling exhausted then it starts to lose its its expressive ability it's less expressive that limits our communication with other people Mm, it makes so much sense even just using this for you know before going on a podcast before Mm -hmm. speaking engagement and i'd like to to go into the second part here which is how does the sound impact people so how does our sound impact people yeah absolutely so when we hear a sound and we'll all know this that we sometimes hear a sound that we really like the sound of and it makes us feel good imagine the sound of running water going gently somewhere or then we hear something like an alarm and it it, it does not sit well with us. It gets our attention. It makes us feel uncomfortable. There've been alarms have been designed that way because of that high pitch. We the high pitch stands out, and it's quite a penetrating noise. Okay, it's very it's a very focused penetrating noise. So we'll hear it, and it will make us feel uncomfortable. Whereas the sound of running water, if we actually study the sound of running water 
on um, we can study the resonance spectrum of sounds using a thing called a spectrogram. And if you study the sound that, then running water has a really lovely, rich resonance spectrum. So and and, and that's where you know when I'm talking about warm, rich voices with a good a good tone, the tone we're talking about having a, a nice resonance spectrum there. Um, so we react to certain sounds. Now that sort of it's coming from an evolutionary place before we had words we used vocal sounds to communicate uh, but also it comes back to the autonomic nervous system that I was just talking about before if you hear a sound that you don't like or that it makes you feel uncomfortable okay your autonomic nervous system actually moves you into that fight or flight state you're aware you're alert you're ready to go remember coming back from that evolutionary place that you know potentially if you hear a, a scream or a shrill sound or a, an aggressive sound you need to be alert you need to be ready to move so if we hear that in somebody's voice if we hear a voice that um our our autonomic nervous system doesn't like we respond to that we react to that and remembering that our nervous systems are always communicating with each other as well all of our nervous systems are communicating so if my voice was a sound or a voice that you didn't like it made you feel uncomfortable and you moved into your sympathetic nervous system in place of fight or flight you will actually stop listening to my words this will all be happening unconsciously you're not aware of this unconsciously you'll stop listening to my words so much and you will start listening to my tone of voice more so because your autonomic nervous system which is the nervous system we can't control so we, we can't control we can control what we can control the response but we can't control the initial reaction it's going you know hang on something's going on here i'm not happy about and it's it's now listening to the tone of voice, not the words so much. So when we're connecting with people, whether we're talking on a podcast, whether we're doing a presentation, whether we're in a teaching setting, whether we're just talking with family members, <laughs> partners, kids, whoever it might be, we're wanting, we want to use a tone of voice that makes somebody feel comfortable and safe and connected so that then they can actually stay focused on the words and not go into that fight or flight space. So, so that's sort of the, the initial response, the autonomic nervous system response. Then the other elements are things such as pitch that I know we've spoken about before and I spoke about at the experience where we tend to think that a lower voice is more authoritative and more intelligent. So uh, in workplaces, a problem can often be that a male voice that can be a lot lower and louder and sound stronger will be perceived as being more authoritative and 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 are, they're often then voted, a person with a lower voice is more likely to be voted into a position of power or into a leadership position. And this is where it can cause problems for women who are up against these bigger, deeper and uh, and lower pitch voices um but it's not it's not the end of the world because this is where tone comes in so we may not we will never be able to be lower than a male's voice but a female can use a very warm a very resonant tone of voice get that we get that warmth in and that and then you can use the breath you can use your breath to get more power so you can have more power and you can have a richer, warmer, resonant tone so that you can actually get that same sort of um, feeling of power and authority into your voice. If you're looking, that's if you're looking for authority. Obviously, the other element I was talking about with connection is more when you're actually wanting to connect and collaborate with people.
Yeah. And and how can we get the the warmth in is just through the also through the exercises or what and, what can we do to get more yeah. of that? Yep, so that warmth, that sort of increasing the resonance spectrum, that is absolutely about allowing more space in the throat so that the throat doesn't get tight. We're making sure we've got enough breath flow and then we do exercises to help open up the throat. And really it, it very much is about repetitive work, okay? It's it's about repetitive training. It's if you align it here with the sport, if you know, if you decide that you want to run for a marathon, you don't just go and do one running session and then, you know, and then run for that marathon. You are training because through training, you are building your fitness and your stamina and all of those things. And it's exactly the same with your voice, that we're training muscles and training ligaments to work in a particular way to create a particular sound. Um, and over time through training, the new habits, the new vocal habits will get wired into our brain is when neuroplasticity comes into it, that our current sound has often been wired in. We've got used to speaking a particular way and the, that vocal habit is wired into our brain. So we need to create new vocal habits. So as with learning anything new, at the beginning, you do need to be far more mindful about it far more mindful you need to really think about it and you need to start some training the voice responds really well to small amounts of training on a regular basis so regularly doing some exercises getting feedback from other people or feedback from yourself by watching a video or listening to a recording hearing how you sound considering how you're coming across and yeah and and also just starting to become mindful most people are actually fairly surprised when they learn how much their vocal tone could be influencing other people. But I just, I ask everyone just to do an activity just for a week and just for one week, go around listening to the voices you hear and stop and realize how many um, unconscious sort of assumptions you have just made about that person. You, you, you hear a voice and you all assume things like whether they're intelligent, whether they're not intelligent, whether they're uh, whether they could be a good leader, whether they're nervous, whether they're an anxious person, whether they're an energetic person, whether you know they could inspire people. We make those assumptions on people all the time by the sound of their voice, but mostly we're doing it on a very unconscious level. But if we just stop and become mindful for a moment, then we can just stop and become a little bit mindful about how we're using our voice. But I'm sure we all know, we can all remember a situation where we've been a bit stressed or angry or whatever it might be or, or even depressed and our vocal tone has then potentially changed the energy of an entire room by the way we have used our voice. And that is how impactful our voice can be. It's so true. And also just the whole thing about making assumptions, you know, you hear a really high pitched sort of shrieky voice and you're like, oh my God, this person <laughs> is so annoying, but this person might totally not be annoying. Yeah, we just touch exactly. it based on the voice, which is, is fascinating. Now, That's right. Yeah. Do you have any resources? I know we're coming to the end of, of our interview. Do you have any resources on your website or any resources anywhere that you would like people to, to check out? Um, well, I I will actually, as you know, the new website will be launching very soon and we will be having some things going up there. And look, I have just recently done a video with an introduction to breathwork and voice work. So if anybody is interested in, in having that video as a bit of a starter, they can 
either go to, at the moment, I'll send them to the old website, which is drbelindamcmahon.com. You can go there and even in the future, that'll be pointing to the website. So go there, just reach out and connect with me from there and I can send that video through to people. Amazing. That sounds great. And we'll also link everything in the show notes. And then also on the new website, I believe Belinda will publish lots of great content too that will be helpful, including videos. Um, there will be. And yeah. also I will have advertised on there soon. There will be actually a free webinar coming up soon. So it will be promoted cool. through there too. That'd be really cool. Yeah. To, to see that too. Are there any final words that you would love to leave us with? Um, look, I just, I, I think if there's one thing I come up against with voice training is that a lot of people feel that their voice is a fixed instrument. They were born with it. It is what it is and that there's not much that they can do to change it. But I just, I really want to encourage people to actually, to trust and know that your voice actually is just muscles and ligaments and it can be trained. And yes, it is connected to our thought processes, but as we know, we can also train some of those, uh, change some of those limiting beliefs and that everyone really does have that power to become a stronger and a better communicator. And I think moving forward, vocal communication is a skill that so many people are starting to lose due to the increase of text messages and emailing that some people are even losing the ability to know even just how to answer the phone and use and, and, and speak to someone on the phone and remembering that our voices connect. We, we learn so much about somebody through somebody's voice. So I just encourage business owners and or anyone really to use their voice. We, we so often go to email and text message, but use their voice and connect with customers that way. And so often we can create a bigger connection a lot quicker through voice. I love that. That's really useful for our listeners too. So pick up the phone, talk to people and use your voice, not just using your fingers to text something or email someone. So really, really strong words to finish with, Belinda. I would love to thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge. I always take away new things. I took a bunch of notes here. I'll be sharing in the show notes too. And fabulous. I'll start doing those exercises too. Sounds fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved talking about it. <laughs> yeah, you're very passionate about it. So super excited to see more and hear more from you, especially about how, how business owners can really train their voice and trust that the voice is something that they can work with and become a really strong, powerful communicator. So thanks again, Belinda. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. To get more from Basic Bananas and to learn new ways to grow your business with clever marketing, visit basicbananas.com.